the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to Wine Women Radio, where we discuss what we're drinking and what's happening in the wine industry. Pour yourself a glass and enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody. It's Wine Women Radio, and I'm Marcia Maycomber, one of your hosts here today with Lisa Adams-Walter. Hello, Lisa. Hello. It's good to have you back with us. I know you were you were on assignment for the last show, um, but we hope you'll get to listen to it. It was a lot of fun. Um, I definitely will listen. Yeah, it was fun to hear about the wine noir and what... Um, uh, black women in the wine industry are doing to help raise their profile and because uh, that's cu- currently a pretty big topic. Anyway, uh, great to have you back with us. And we've also got Misty Rodebush kane with us today. Hello, Misty. Hello, Marsha. It's great to have you with us. Uh, Misty, I know you were asking about volume, uh, a little more projection since you're using an alternate device would probably be good. No problem. There we go. And we're really excited today because for, I don't know if it's our first time, but it's certainly one of the fewest times we've ever had a mother-daughter duo in the wine industry, which is very exciting. We've got Melinda Kearney, who goes by Mindy with us. Hello, Mindy. Hi, everybody. Hi. And her daughter, Michelle. Michelle, is it Ouyet? I'd say Ouyet. Ouyet. Roulette. Yeah, like roulette with no R. And we should make make it very clear, Michelle's middle name is Lorenza. So Michelle Lorenza Roulette. And the wine brand is Lorenza Wine. So it kind of trips right off the tongue there. So ladies, welcome to the show. We really appreciate your time out of your busy day today to talk with us about your fabulous rosés. You're very true rosés. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. We really enjoyed it. So um, I, I did not know Lorenza Wine at all until I saw some other news about you. And I thought, my goodness, women in wine and their champions of rosés were in the middle of rosé season. Uh, tell us a bit about how Lorenza uh, came about to be the wine. Well, I grew up in Napa Valley and uh, my parents moved to Napa just before I was born um, to be in the epicenter of the food and wine world in California. So I was really lucky to grow up surrounded by um, a lot of my friends' parents are all in the industry. You know, growing up in St. Helena, everywhere you look is somebody in the wine business. That's that's absolutely true, so. And um, my mom has uh, been in the industry for over 30 years now. Um, And so we'll rewind back to um, when I was in high school, I was scouted to become a model. Mm -hmm. And I was sent to Paris on one of my first assignments. And um, everyone was drinking rosé at lunch. And I thought that that was really fabulous. as a 15 year old getting to skip school, go to Paris and drink rosé at work. So um, I had a really wonderful time discovering pink wine, which I wasn't really aware of growing up in Napa when I did. It wasn't really- Rosé wasn't popular, was it? Big thing. Yeah, and not like, you know, I wasn't an expert in the market at 15 years old, but, um, I think that moment when you first discover rosé like really popped for me um, and I came home and was like, I'm French now and <laughs> like, I love rosé. So um, my mom thought that that was pretty fun because she loved rosé too. Uh, and we kind of put that idea in our back pocket and waited a few years uh, to start doing something together. Uh, Yeah, and I continued to work as a model and was traveling around a lot. And um, we wanted to do something together that would help us stay connected and would also be a nice balance to a life flying around and in the plane and, you know, that kind of 
lifestyle. Um, the opposite of that, I think, is like getting down and dirty in the vineyards and being very connected with nature and, of course, with my mom. And so that was really the reason why we wanted to start this project together. Fantastic. Well, I think what we should do is probably pour some and start tasting and let Mindy talk about the wine. What would you like us to start with? The spritz or the rosé in the bottle? Let's start with the rosé in the bottle. Okay. All right. So uh, those who have some, pour or sip. And Mindy, please tell us uh, your end of the story and what you want us to know about this wine. Okay, well, um, my first job in the wine business was um, as director of operations for a very small winery. And so I was in production, um, doing harvest, taking care of the wines. I didn't really know what I was doing back then, but I learned and I had been in the restaurant business and you know, I, I was a quick study. Um, and then what I found was it was amazingly fantastic to be able to go out and talk about the wines that I had had a hand in. So I realized that in order to sell something and market something, you actually knew what you had to know what you were doing. <laughs> point. Good, good point. <laughs> good it helps. <laughs> yes. So let's, um, uh, then I went to Frog's Leap Winery for 10 years where I kind of honed my sales and marketing skills and then started a consulting company where I did sales and marketing consulting for small upstart um, um, brands and also luxury estate wineries. So I've had a, an amazing um, opportunity to work with some pretty uh, um, fabulous properties, vineyards, winemakers, owners and um in the middle of that um we decided to make lorenza so the premise behind that was um to find old vines because you know we weren't going to make a silly wine coming from napa valley coming with all this beautiful history that we've had with fine wine and beautiful um you know vineyards and we wanted to take that aesthetic and that sensibility and make a Provence style wine in California. So that took us out to Lodi where the um, fruit was and our goal was to work with old vines. We felt like what we had learned about some of the finest rosés in France is that some of the vineyards were extremely old and um, Lodi has its share of vineyards that are over a hundred years old. So um, we were able to source um, Carignan, Grenache, Senso, mm -hmm. and Morved, which was our ideal blend. Um, we loved a wine called um, Domaine Tempier. I'm sure you have all had it. Um, to us, that was the pinnacle. And so we said, well, if we could make something even remotely um, inspired by that in California, we're on the right track. So um, we were able, just by the kindness of strangers to find these vineyards and to be able to um, create our first vintage, which was 250 cases back in 2008. And I have to say that the profile of the wine has not changed. Um, our goal was to make a dry, perfectly pale pink wine that had a lot of acidity that was sun-kissed by California and also um, tempered or disciplined by minerality and kind of the angles. And so that is where we started in 2008 and that is what's in your glass right now. Um, how, we, how we achieved that is um, through um, disciplined picking. So we're picking um, early on in, in August Mm -hmm. um, out of very low bricks. We're keeping the um, sugar low so that we have a low alcohol. The wine in your glass right now is 11%. That's um, amazing. <laughs> That's amazing yeah. to achieve that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it takes, it actually takes a little bit of guts to go in there and pick some of these grapes because some of them aren't totally ripe yet. You know, they're um, still teetering on the brink of um, verasion. 
but we know that the the um, flavor profile is what we're looking for this way. Um, so then everything's picked at night. We, um, you know, it's under the headlights, hand-picked, and then it goes direct to press. And each variety is fermented separately in stainless steel tanks. And then we blend after that. So we'll blend in October. We bottle in December and release it in January, February. So it's a very good turnaround. Oh. Yeah. No wonder it tastes so fresh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Really amazing. Classic Provencal rosé profile, aromatically, and uh, the taste profile, both uh, just absolutely nail it. Thank you, Marsha. Well, um, we're looking for this um, vibrancy, like some verve, you know, and um, to bring um, kind of energy. I think, you know, Michelle uses that word. I think it's a great word to use about this wine is that there's a lot of energy in it. And we like to think that it's because there's a lot of love that goes into the wine. And also that we're paying attention to every little detail. So I think something to be said about rosé is that not always is a rosé the, the main priority mm -hmm. for a winery. Sometimes it might be a opportunistic wine or a wine that just happens to make a red wine a little bit better or something that's quite delicious and, you know, it just happened to be one of eight wines that a winery makes. And so for us, it's the, you know, it's the main event. So we're all over this wine <laughs> from start to finish. And um, I feel like it, it, it responds to that attention. There is, there is something to be said about doing one thing and doing it really well. So that's um, fantastic. And it, it is transporting me to get back to the south of France. Just it has those um, very typical French aromatics and very, very pale color for the um, folks that are listening in today. And it is just, um, it is, it is very vibrant and opulent and the acid is there. So you get that, you know, that, that life and the vibrancy, but then it also sort of mellows out and balances and it's, it's so that it makes you, you know, quenching for that next um, sip. So very nicely done, ladies. Uh, thank yeah. you so much. I'm enjoying it. And there's a lot in the nose too. I was getting a lot of strawberry, which is really nice. I'm kind of, it's that season. I'm hip on strawberries right now. I picked some from my garden this morning. So maybe it's like stuck in my, in my mind, but I'm completely getting that. It's very, very nice. And um, I am curious having been from and worked, it sounds primarily in the Napa Valley, what are some of the differences you've encountered working in Lodi? Um, it's also a very, you know, old and established wine growing region but i'm you know i and, and it's they're doing amazing things in lodi so um it's in and a follow-up to that question is i noticed it on the label it's a california rosé are you considering doing a lodi labeled rosé um a couple of questions for you okay well what we found from the very very beginning was um a lot of open hearts and um, a willingness to um, help, which I think um, has really gave us uh, the extra boost. I mean, we were two women from Napa walking into Lodi, which, and then asking, asking the farmers to pick their grapes in August at 18 bricks, you know? <laughs> they were looking at us kind of funny, I have to say. And, um, you know, they, I think they were saying, well, okay, well, these girls probably don't know what they're doing, but, um, you know, they're nice enough and we'll help them out. And so it just continues to be this way. We have made the most wonderful friends and um, everyone has just been like really willing to introduce us to another vineyard or to introduce us to, you know, somebody else that they like to work with, or like the resources are shared openly and um, beautifully. And it reminds me of um, when Robert Mondavi said, all rise with the rising tide here back in the day where um, a lot of ideas were shared and um, there was, we all knew that if we helped each other, 
and um, co-promoted that it would make a, everybody better. Right. So we are really grateful for our relationships in Lodi. So your vineyards in Lodi are really kind of fascinating. You have, uh, you have one vineyard here, um, the Bechtold Vineyard, uh, planted in 1847 with its Cinso. Lodi, Lodi is very, very well known for producing fantastic Cinso, which a lot of people don't know, but it's a, an amazing Rhone variety. Uh, and then also you have um, the Spanker Ranch, um, which was planted in uh, 1906 with uh, the Carrion that goes into your rosé. So there's a lot of history and, as you said, really old vines, not to mention the planting is a little unusual. You wouldn't have thought that Lodi with its... Um, it's delta sands, you know, alluvial soils um, might have loved this so much, but these are sun-loving, warm-loving uh, varieties that, that seem to like perfectly match the profile out of Provence. Um, was that what kind of steered you in the direction of trying Lodi out? Well, one of the things was the, um, you mentioned the soil and so this sandy soil, like one of our vineyards is like literally walk, walking on the beach. It's about 18 inches of sand. And in that sand, it is very difficult for a virus to survive or any type of something that would attack a vine. And so therefore, these vines still exist. And so we knew that that was, um, uh, that was a factor and that these vines were out there and had heard that these varieties were out there. And actually Lodi, Lodi has a number of um, interesting varieties. It's, it's not all Zinfandel and it's not all Cabernet. There are so many amazing um, unusual varieties being grown out there. So we were able to be very lucky to have, um, to find these and it was in these relationships that we were introduced to the next vineyard and then the next vineyard and then some place to make the wine and then and so on and so on so perfect yeah, yeah. And the, the old vines um working with them provides such a interesting contrast to this bright young vivacious fresh feminine wine like when you look at these gnarly old vines it's like visually the complete opposite of what you think of when you look at like a pale ballet slipper pink rosé so uh, we really love that contrast and I think it lends a lot of complexity to the wine. And um, I love how my mom likes to talk about um, being part of these, you know, in some cases, hundreds of harvests uh, that these vineyards have been through. So it's really cool to um, have a little piece of these uh, vineyards and part of our story as well. It's really, it feels really cool to be out there. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, Lisa and Misty, I wanted to ask, what, what are you getting in the flavor profile and the aromatics? I do pick up, um, like to Lisa's point, I do pick up, um, you know, strawberry and um, I get a little bit of notes of, um, not very strong, but sometimes I do pick up um, bubblegum in rosés and I am picking up like a little bit of bubblegum, which is really fun. I'm getting some, um, to follow, you know, after the strawberry went through the flavor profile, I'm getting some really nice, pleasing citrus notes, not like super tart or super aggressive, but almost like refreshing, like a lemonade, not, not sweet, but that kind of, that kind of citrus, um, but, you know, very dry, very structured. I, I liked the um, description of the angular and kind of edginess of it. Um, it it's got that while being very pretty at the same time. So it's a, it's a nice balance. So Lisa, you bring up um, something that I would love to talk about. Um, and when we ferment the, each of the tanks separately, they are unusually different and the colors are extraordinary. Um, and each, each of the varieties takes on um, flavor profiles throughout the fermentation that change um, dramatically 
from when they're um, just starting fermentation. Like for example, the carignan is very red and tastes like frozen strawberries. You know, like we wow. make daiquiris, you know, that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. frozen strawberries. And by the end of the fermentation, it's like um, a cranberry. And so when you think about like the, the sugar, the content of the, the bricks and the sweet strawberry, and then by the end of the fermentation, there is just, it's tart, it's, you know, bright, it's, you know, lots of electricity in the mouth. It's just amazing. And so each of these four varieties does the same thing. Um, so um, Morved starts off like um, very tropical, like guava, kiwi, um, Oh, sometimes melony, um, and then by the time it is dry, it's like rhubarb. So super tart, and that's where the um, Morved is where we get a lot of the angles and the minerality, um, and it's also very pale. And then the Grenache is all about citrus. So it um, starts off like a Valencia orange, and so sweet and juicy, and it is orange. Um, that's the one variety that we pick that we really get no color from um, at that early stage. And then by the end, it, there's grapefruit and lemon, Meyer lemon and like, like blossoms. And then the last one is Senso. And that's, um, this is the Bechtold Vineyard, the 150 year old vines. Um, and that it creates, it's a really round, since it's a rounder wine um, and it starts with um, like baking spices. So like, um, I don't know, ap apples and cinnamon and allspice and things like that. So it's very spicy and- Nutmeg. Um, nutmeg, yes, exactly. And by the time it's done, it's more like tart tatin throughout the middle of it. That also, um, there's some unusual things that happen during fermentation and one is that one, at a certain bricks tastes like a Long Island iced tea. I mean, oh. you do, but it's, I mean, it's a fascinating thing. And then just to taste through. And in the end with that Grenache, or sorry, with the Cinso, um, it's more like, uh, like green apples and pears, like a bruised pear. And so it's the more round and like a little bit of honey so that of all the varieties is the round one. So when you get a little bit of roundness on the palate, that's where that's coming from. Yeah, you can definitely oh. pick that up. And the citrus notes come through, but they're very, it's very nice. It's like multi-layered um, citrus notes that are coming through. Like you said, like it's, it's not just your typical lemon, it's that Meyer lemon characteristic. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's beautiful. So when you blend, are the two of you blending together? How does this process work? You have these four components, then what? Well, we've been um, tasting for um, you know a month and a half. So we're really well acquainted with the wines and, um, and we're already thinking about what we're gonna do. And um, you know, this is like any other wine that's blended that you, know, you start to figure out what you wanna do. You kind of understand how the flavors are going to come together. The only difference about this is that it happens in just in such a rush, you know, because we have to get it ready for bottling in December. So this is a very quick process. Um, but basically we, um, we bring a bottle of the previous vintage or, or a couple previous vintages. We um, have the varieties, we do a base blend and then we start to, um, Tinker. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, that's such a fun process and it's, um, you know, it's the mad scientist part of it where you're putting a little dash of this and a little dash of that. And it's really incredible to see um, what each variety brings out in the blend and how just changing a very slight percentage can um, change it all. But you know, I, I don't know if we mentioned, this vintage, the 2019, is our uh, 12th vintage of Lorenza. So we've been doing this for 12 years, and we really have a sense of what Lorenza is. And we're looking for that moment where 
the wine becomes Lorenza. Well, that's exciting. I, I didn't realize, I mean, I, I have seen the wine. Um, I, I've seen it on shelves. Um, I didn't know that it was your wine. So this was really exciting to find out. Um, but I, and I also didn't know it had been around that long because in 12 years, there weren't that many rosés 12 years ago compared to now. I mean, maybe you can tell us about that because it's really just exploded. Right. Yeah, yeah it has been uh, a wild journey. And, um, you know, when we started, we did it out of love for rosé, basically on a personal level. You know, we didn't really see much of a marketing angle necessarily, um, but we wanted to change people's ideas of what a uh, California rosé could be. So um, kind of the beginning of promoting Lorenza and taking it out for tasting appointments um, was really interesting, you know? Like some people would just be like, no thanks, I don't even wanna try it. Um, <laughs> you know? And um, and then we had some really great support from some amazing sommeliers and uh, Raj Parr put us on his list and Jimmy Hayes put us on his list at Bouchon at the time. And um, that kind of gave us a nudge in the, you know, you guys are moving in the right direction. We think that what you're doing is really interesting and worth pursuing. So, you know, we were making a very small amount of wine um but had the the inspiration and the support from people that we really respected to continue so it was definitely a passion project and then as we all know a few years later rosé exploded um and i have a few theories of why i think that is um so first of all instagram it's just the perfect thing to take a photo of. It's pink, it inspires um, or it reminds you of uh, summertime, hanging out with friends. It's really celebratory in a way that I think only champagne is as well. Mm -hmm. Like people get so hyped up for rosé season and I don't know if there's any other category that gets that kind of emotional response. Um, and I think it's leveled the playing field for consumers. Um, I think wine can be intimidating for anybody, women especially. And rosé is kind of something that's accessible. It's easy to say. It's cool. So no one's going to ever laugh at you for ordering a glass of rosé. And you kind of know what you're going to get. It's probably going to be cold, maybe light pink and hopefully dry and delicious. So I think that it's been um, kind of a gateway for a lot of people to uh, explore wine in a, in a deeper way. Nice. I certainly agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's been just incredible to see that happen. And uh, it's, it's really mind-boggling that we've been in it for 12 years already. Wow, and the time has flown. Uh, and I wanted to go back to something, Mindy, that you mentioned um, that caught my attention, which was on your website. We want to make sure everybody knows where to go, LorenzaWine.com, very easy to find. You have a photograph of four glasses of wine, all in very, different colors. So are, is that your picture of the different lots all as they're fermenting in their very different colors? Exactly. Exactly. Because that was, I looked at that and I was like, all right, those are all very different colors. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing shot? Our friend Matt Morris took that. Um, that is what every year these tanks look like. And so it's visually so amazing to see and then to taste and to smell. It, you know, Lodi's two hours away from where I live. Uh -huh. And it gets me in the car because it's so fantastic to experience and to track. Um, on my Instagram and our, our Lorenza Instagram, um, I would 
take a photo and put the flavors and the aromas every day. And so it's all on our stories if you care to look at. It's kind of fun to walk through the fermentations. Yes, I did I did look at it. I thought your notes were really interesting to read. It was I was fascinated by it. Um I'll tell you we what. love what we're doing. <laughs> uh while the rest of us are uh popping our cans, our spritz cans. Uh, I'm hoping that you guys will tell us about your label and bottle design and how all that came out to be. And then we'll talk about the, the, the spritz. Well, the label has been a journey. Um, so as you mentioned, Lorenza is my middle name. I'm named after my grandfather, Lorenzo, on my dad's side, who um was a bon vivant and a split of champagne was the cues he would have really enjoyed this wine and we love that kind of celebratory fun spirit uh that the name lends so we knew we wanted it to be called lorenza and then you know as we started the brand i was just about 21. so uh i thought or we thought at the time that it would be really cool to collaborate with uh, some fashion photographers and artists that I had met living in New York and do a new photo for every vintage. And that was fun for a little while until the years start flying by and you're like, oh my God, we need to do a new label. This is, <laughs> we're bottling tomorrow, you know? Um, so it was, uh, a fun creative exercise, but uh, logistically, uh, it was very hard to achieve. And also, um, we wanted the wine to really speak for itself um, in a number of environments. So we worked with David Hughes um, from Level in Calistoga, who we absolutely adore, to create our label that we have today. So we've been working with that for how long, Mom? Eight years? Um, since the 12 vintage 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for the listeners, it's a very graphic black and white label. Um, and it has kind of a pearlescent background on it that lends a little bit of sheen. I'm all about sparkles. So <laughs> I've had to get a little bit of fun in there. Um, so, and then on the back of the label, um, we have our heart-shaped UPC, going back to that this wine is made with a lot of love and um, we want that to be on every bottle. And actually this vintage, we added a couple new things. Um, we have wine made by women on the label and we also included True Rosé on our front label. So uh, we wanted to show our dedication to uh, making wine with intention from the first look. So, yeah. Very cool. It's been, it's been let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about wine made with intention and true rosé because you, you, ladies, you both know from marketing that people are going to go, wait, what is true rosé? What does that really mean? Uh, and some people are going, isn't all rosé made the same way? And we know the answer is no, but you guys explain it how you'd like to tell the story. <laughs> well, the, the fun part about it is people say, I want the true rosé. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Right. Um, so true rosé, wine made with intention. So we're making all of our decisions about making rosé. So everything points in that direction. We're not distracted by anything else like I mentioned before. And so for us, that means it's true rosé. Um, you know, there are different ways of making rosé. Ours is, you know, direct to press and it goes right into stainless steel. It doesn't see oak um, and then it's blended. So it's a very simple process and it's all about letting the, the fruit shine and being very gently handled so that it's very expressive in the glass. So it's not Sonia. It it's is not, not it's not that, as you said, your focus is on rose. So it's not as if you were making another red wine and bled off a portion, which is Sonia, um, and just said, well, we'll put the extra stuff 
in the bottle for rosé we will this is the whole focus is yeah. is to make a rosé from the beginning and you're choosing your ripeness which you already told us surprised some of your vineyard managers and owners um, at the early state that you wanted to harvest um, to capture just the right profiles that you're after. So that's, that's really cool. That's nice. And I have to say, I have never ever seen a heart-shaped UPC code. <laughs> it's very clever, a great use of graphics. So a lot of fun. We can always count on David to, to add something very clever. Yeah, and that barcode also happens to appear on the spritz. I'm sure it's a slightly different barcode uh, in there. Mm -hmm. So let so let's talk about the spritz. How did this come about? Um, you're one of the early ones to jump into the world of wine in a can. We've had some excellent ones that we've sampled on the show in the past. So no surprise, yours is also excellent what made you decide to go this direction? Well, there's nothing more fun than bubbly pink rosé in a can that can go anywhere. <laughs> so we were really curious about the, um, the format and what we could do to bring Lorenza into a different format. We weren't going to make bread wine and we weren't going to make Chardonnay. So we needed to kind of play around with the format. So, um, we love this size. It's 8.4 ounces. It's 250 mil. Um, it comes in a four pack um, box. Mm -hmm. And it is a, it's made slightly differently. So this is a blend of 80% Carignan and 20% Grenache. Mm -hmm. And the same vineyards picked at the same time as our rosé, but it's co-fermented. So um, we, co-ferment these two varieties and it creates something that's very different than if we had blended Grenache and Carignan post-fermentation. So there are these beautiful, it's just, it's so appealing and it's, um, it's actually more pink and um, than the rosé, if you pour it in a glass, oh, here I'll yes. pour it in a glass. It's a little yeah. more pink. It's definitely, it's, um, and we also arrest the fermentation just slightly above dryness. Uh -huh. We felt like with the um, acidity as it is, and we're picking so early, and these two varieties are picked extremely early. And without the benefit of this and so, that kind of comes in a little higher bricks and is rounder, this is really like, it's like a zinger. Mm -hmm. And so to add a little bit of mouthfeel and a little roundness with just a tiny little bit of re residual sugar um, has made this to be like, it's, it's really appealing. So it's canned, um, we arrest the fermentation and then we can it with carbonation. Nice. And that's it. It's, it's a lot it's, of fun. <laughs> and I wanted to, and I, I didn't get to this in time because my hand can't reach fast enough. But Mindy, if you could pour a bit more into your glass and hold it up, I wanted to get a shot of the mousse on Sure. Are you ready? Yeah. Yes. Go right ahead. Because I was, I was impressed by that mousse. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got it. I got it. Okay. So, um, yeah. I, lo I love it on, that on the can it says, um, Sir Chilled Bee Chill. That's kind yeah. of very fun. Oh, good. Yeah, after one year of making only one wine, uh, we wanted to celebrate with, or after 10 years of making only one wine, uh, we wanted to celebrate with making something fun and bubbly in a can. So um, Lorenza Spritz was born. It's been really fun. This is our, uh, our third canning. So uh, we're learning a lot along the way, and it's been such a fun category. And I think especially um, during COVID times, it's been very popular. Right, single but serving like, and great for takeout and people are happy to create a cocktail with it. It's very creative. It, what we love about it is that people are making it their own. 
and going beyond just pouring it into a glass, you know, I brought a straw. You can drink it from the can with a straw, or you can pour it into a glass with a little mixer, like Campari, or there's a wonderful, we love um, House, that um, great company over yeah. in, in Sonoma. Um, and so we love that with ice and a little citrus and some beautiful ice cubes and things like that. And it kind of feeds a creative um, vibe, you know, it just creates like fun. And it's- say, uh, you know, you can, um, you, you could do variations on a French drop with this. Um, it, or French, French 75. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, um, and it probably, and because of the low alcohol, would not be quite as potent uh, as a French 75 might be for some people who've never had them. I know people who take one sip and kind of get blown away, but. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, what, do you, what, do you, what, is the, what is the drink you like to make so much? Oh, I haven't made it in a long time, but what the flavor profile reminded me of was a French drop, which, uh, sorry, a French 75, which um, I'm trying to remember, but it's, it's champagne and, oh, we'll gin. have to look it up. It's champagne, gin, oh. lime juice, and if you're in Paris, absinthe. Cognac, oh. isn't it? I thought it was absinthe also goes in it which makes it very potent <laughs> they're, they're lethal yeah um, yeah and then uh we make uh negroni spagliato so um maybe leave out the gin of a negroni and add a little bubbly lorenzo spritz and you have yourself a wonderful aperitif I've also yeah. gotten really into making gorgeous ice cubes during quarantine. So that's my, my new hobby, um, freezing little fruit or blossoms from an orange tree or edible flowers or something like that. That's a really easy way to, um, you know, treat yourself to something gorgeous at the end of the day. We all need the idea of adding the flowers. Sorry, Marcia, I was just gonna say, I love that idea. I freeze a lot of things, but I hadn't thought about adding like nasturtium blossoms or like you said orange blossoms that's a great idea it's really oh, fun yeah they're great yeah and little sprigs of thyme are always amazing in this and sometimes i just like to squeeze a little lime put a little thyme sprig put some ice and pour it over and it's like totally Ooh. new it's just I love good it. that so good. i I think I noticed somewhere on your website, you have some of these ideas, right? Some of these cocktail yeah. ideas. Can our listeners look to your website to, for inspiration? Yes, and also our Instagram, at Lorenza Rose, is where I do a lot of sharing of recipes, inspiration, all kinds of fun stuff. Cool. Um, yeah. Very nice. Uh, a couple, a couple of things that I'm curious about. So, um, I was trying to do the math. The four pack of the spritz is how much more than a regular 750 mil bottle of wine in terms of size? It's a liter. So a four oh, pack oh. is a liter. Yeah. So it's just an extra one of these. Yes. Okay. Got it. So really, really cool. And I think there's so much you can do with that. So um, what kind of production have you guys been looking at between the spritz and the bottled rosé recently? We make, yeah, we make about a thousand cases of the spritz and um, those are nine liter cases, which is about the same as the bottles. And the bottles, we vary every year, you know, um, two to four to 5,000 cases a year. Got it. Got it. Cool. That's great for our listeners, which that still is a, a very, very special and small production. So yeah. that is, um, is really nice. And where can our listeners find these wines? Are you only available on the website or is it also distributed nationally? Um, um, go ahead, Michelle. 
Uh, on our website, uh, lorenzawine.com. And then we are in um, about 20 states uh, in your independent retail shops. Right. Yeah. Okay, and then I also saw um, on the website you had Lake Club. Can you tell us a little bit about Lake Club and what that entails? Yes, Le Club is our new baby, um, born during COVID times, which is really exciting. <laughs> Something that we've wanted to do for a long time, um, but given that our travel schedule has been eliminated for the year, uh, we're <laughs> able to sit down and focus on um, creating our new rosé subscription uh, called Le Club. So uh, it's um, you can choose either to join uh, Le Club Rosé, where you'll get an automatic shipment um, each month, or you can choose Le Club Spritz, and you can get your automatic shipments of the spritz, or both, which I suggest, obviously. <laughs> Much more fun. Very nice. I think yeah. that would be so appealing to so many people. Um, to be able to get the, you know, the direct shipment to the consumer. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, think, I think that um, especially in these times when we're spending, um, you know, all or most of our time at home, the, the quality of what we bring into our homes has become even more important. Um, and we, I think that we all like to know the maker and we want to have uh, an emotional attachment to the things in our lives, um, especially as we're not really getting much stimulation from the outside world these days. So um, the inspiration behind the club is something to take you on almost a mental vacation. Uh, we have a special Instagram dedicated to the club, which is all of um, gorgeous portraits and still lifes of roses. Uh, alfresco dining inspiration, recipes, cocktails, um, all these kind of things to make uh, this extra time at home a little more special. Um, and I think it's also nice to know that you can have your wine delivered directly to you without ever having to leave. So that's, uh, it's helpful for these times for sure. The other thing that, that I think is really kind of cool with having an ongoing rosé subscription is that it really is a year-round wine. And people tend to think it's seasonal. And there's so many things you can do all throughout the year or, or so many foods you can enjoy with rosé all across the year. So I, I, I love that. I'm a huge rosé drinker around the calendar. <laughs> it's not limited to warm weather for me. <laughs> Lisa, you you're my kind of girl, and I also want to talk for a minute about aged rosé. So Ooh. one of the things that we have discovered with Lorenza is that it ages. And so there's a whole trip that you can go down um, when you think about aged rosé. And so often we say, oh no, you know, the marketplace wants us to believe that um, if as soon as January comes around, the former vintage is now obsolete, which is not true. And um, so for us, what we have done on our trips, we've done lunches where we've done a pairing of 10 vintages of Lorenza. Um, and we've done, you know, grabbed a bottle of like, for example, I just looked in my refrigerator, I have a bottle of 13. And so that came back. Um, I pulled that for a trip that we ended up not taking. But it's a fascinating thing to taste because the acidity is still there. It's still bright. It's still beautiful. But then there's this these layers of kind of roundness and interest and so many... Um, like notes of like more savory notes that come into it and it's so beautiful and so i want to encourage everybody to like relax a little bit about the vintage and to realize that rosé is beautiful at any stage and especially if well stored it um it can add so much like especially like that 13 
for me would be an aperitif. So I would want to sip on it while I'm cooking. Mm -hmm. And then um, also, and Lisa, to your point, um, drinking rosé year round. So when you get down to December and we're eating savory meats and roasted veggies and things like that that are rich and you know buttery and yummy, that a wine that has had a little bit of age to it, a rosé that has had age, um, it lends itself to um, this beautiful rich cooking. So there's a lot to be said for um, grabbing a bottle of rosé that may have been hidden back in the back of your closet and embracing it. Pop it open, put it in the refrigerator, pop it open, enjoy it. Don't worry about it being a no. year or two or three or four or five years old. No. Yeah, if it's a producer that you trust and you love year after year, um, I would definitely recommend, you know, holding on to a bottle or two and seeing how it ages. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you both brought up that subject because I've had some really fascinating older rosés and um, the retail end of the industry, um, as you said, kind of... Um, it's like it's like white shoes between Labor Day and Memorial Day. You know, they they poo poo it, and that that is shifting over time. Um, but it it takes a concerted effort to do that. And Mindy, you just mentioned something really interesting that we hadn't gotten to, which is when you're cooking. And what do you and Michelle both like to pair your wines with? Give us some idea of favorite food and wine pairings that you love to do with Lorenza? I am crazy for niçoise of all types. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm big on salads. Niçoise has to be one of my absolute favorites. Um, but I think that something like that really lends itself great to Lorenza with the saltiness of the olives and um, the fresh fish. I love to do a grilled salmon niçoise um, with a little bit of dill and some citrus and the dressing. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, that sounds like what I want to have for dinner tonight. Okay. And yeah. Prior to coming on the show, Marsha, I actually um, opened up some fantastic prosciutto and it was just so delightful with the rosé, especially on a warm day like today. It was um, the saltiness just really um, Ooh, yummy. Just really, just really all played together really, really well. So it was a great summer treat. And um, to Mindy's point about the holidays and entertaining and thinking about rosé all year round, I am such a huge fan of greeting folks with um, a really nice house signature cocktail. And as we're all sheltering at home this year, this spritz would, um, would make just a fantastic drink. And, you know, if we got creative with those ice cubes and the violas or um, some little bit of sage or thyme, you know, I think it could be a lot of fun just, um, and creative. Great ideas. Mindy, yeah. what do you like to have your wines with? Well, anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm such a sucker for French fries and anything salty goes great. And so, you know, I'm not having a lot of French fries these days, you know, we're not going out a lot. Um, so um, I would say potato chips. Um, God, it just goes great with salad, gazpacho. Um, I really yes. do like that salty combination. Um, Thai food, Indian food with this, because yeah, there right. is a little bit of sweetness. There's, that is a fantastic combination. Um, you know, goat cheese, like the classic Mediterranean pairings, goat cheese and Rosé or lots like of lots of cheese boards and cheese and charcuterie boards. Yeah. yeah, we we've said in the past that we like to pair the wine with uh, things of similar color, like uh, charcuterie or smoked salmon or um, a little fray de bois strawberry and right. things like that. Yeah, tomatoes. But, yeah, but really, the rosé is so dry and food friendly that was one of the most important things uh when we started making this wine um coming from a restaurant family background uh that it was so that it was meant to be so food friendly and i think that a dry rosé is like 
champagne and can go with anything. Nice. That's what I was thinking when, when you were both talking about the food. All of the things you were saying are things that go well with champagne or sparkling wine. And it seems like there was a lot of synergy yeah. there. Very yeah. Nice. One of the things I'm really enjoying this year is um, having access to um, Liberty Ducks and making duck confit in my own home with these beautiful ducks. And that's a beauty with rosé wow. also. Yeah. Yes. There's just yeah, so much that's going on right now. We're having so much access to produce and things that we that we're going to restaurants instead. And now you get it. You're getting it. <laughs> right. You yeah, know, we've been we've been doing that. We've been purchasing from purveyors who normally supply the restaurants and it's been incredible. Just absolutely incredible. Because mm -hmm. they've had to pivot as well uh, mm -hmm. during this time. And you know, the one thing we haven't talked about, ladies, is what's it been like? What's your, been your discovery process been like as two businesswomen, women working together, mother-daughter relationship? Has that, have there been moments that like take you back to Michelle's teenage years? Or, you know, what's it been like as businesswomen to work together? Well, first I want to say that Michelle was one of the coolest teenagers I've ever met. And... <laughs> She's always been so cool. And um, so I've always admired her so much. And then the, to have this chance to work with her and to um, be the recipient of her grace and her creativity and her, you know, just she's so dang cool that it's just been a, such a gift to me. You know, being in the wine business for so many years, there's a certain way that we do things. And Michelle says, why do we have to do it like that? I love that. One That's, of those things being, I, let's only make rosé. <laughs> that, that was not, uh, you know, not industry recommended practice when we started. That is so true. I mean, for other women listeners out there, like in the wine space, I mean, I'm finding myself nowadays, you know, as a marketer, um, I'm, you know, tapping into my 12 year old often for like video tips or, um, you know, new techniques and the fast forward videos and the Instagram posts. So, I mean, leveraging that vibrancy and sort of an outside perspective is so fantastic. And that's great that you guys are able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And on, on the flip side of it, um, I've learned so much from my mom and her amazing experience in this business and watching how she interacts with the farmers and our distributors and, um, she brings uh, such an amazing energy to her relationships in this business. And I think that that's served her and, and us at Lorenza very well over the years. And, and I think that's one of the best things about the wine business is bringing people together. And it's this kind of collaborative connector um, that we all feel in this industry. Uh, so I've learned a lot of that uh, from my mom. So early on, early on, your mom said, I, I believe it was you, Mindy, who said um, something to keep you closer or connected or something along those lines. Can you tell us, has that happened? How did it happen? Yeah, we are very much connected. <laughs> I, um, I moved last year from New York after 13 years living in New York to Los Angeles. So now we're back in the same state. Um, but even when I was living across the country, we would see each other almost every month. Um, we're on the phone probably around three times a day. <laughs> um, we're very connected. And as our business is very small, uh, we both wear a lot of hats. So we're collaborating a lot um, on a daily basis. And some of our favorite times are when we get to hit the road and do events and work the market together and tell our story and meet new consumers. So uh, it's, it's been interesting to be grounded uh, during this year with COVID, um, but it's given us an opportunity to dive deeper into some ideas that we wanted to explore, um, like launching the club and 
showing a little bit more love to our DTC program. So, I mean, I couldn't imagine being in this business with anybody else. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy to do this with my mom. Sweet. That's great. Thank Lovely. you. Um, I do want to say that um, Michelle has a fabulous brother who's also in the wine business. And he's over in Sonoma, works for Hobo Wine Company and works um, primarily with the vineyards. And um, we're, we love all getting together and tasting wine and offering perspectives. And it's, 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 pretty, it's like a dream come true, truly. To, I think that oh. we've tried to get him on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Stefan? Yeah. I think so. And I, and I, anyway, uh, emailing snafus or something. <laughs> Hobo Wines, I've been reaching out to Hobo Wines. <laughs> Maybe to Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. They make beautiful wines. It's, it's, um, it's just a wonderful company. And, and, um, Stefan was really attracted to the company because they are also Kenny's a skateboarder and as is Stefan. And so there's a lot of creativity and visual, um, marketing and the labels are great and the wine is beautiful and really honest and um, it's a it's a good spot for him too. All good things. Yeah. So if if uh, if some ladies came to either one of you and said my mom and I are thinking of going into business together but we're a little nervous about whether or not we'll clash and it'll be too difficult for us as a relationship. What would you say to them? I, I think it requires um, a lot of conscious effort to maintain boundaries and to, uh, you know, delineate between personal time with mom and daughter and with business time. And this has been a total learning process for us. Um, and, but once you, get in your stride of like, okay, we're gonna have a little catch up uh, from this time to this time. And then for the rest of the day, we're getting down to business. Once you hit that stride, it's really, really wonderful. Um, and I, I think it's, a, it's an awesome thing to do if, if you feel compelled to. Cool. Mindy, I think you're, I think you're super, I was just gonna say, I think you're super fortunate to be able to, you know, work together. It's really amazing. I admire you. Keep doing it. Yeah, that is <laughs> a, a, a true inspiration. So you have the true rosé for a true inspiration for other women and daughters out there. So that's very, very fun. That's really sweet. Listeners, if you're curious, if you want to try some, because you can order it direct or you can join Le Club. Uh, and choose spritz or uh, uh, the bottle, the Lorenza Rosé, Club Rosé, uh, or get them both, best of both worlds. Uh, go to lorenzawine.com. Uh, you can follow along at Lorenza Rosé on Instagram uh, to get lots of ideas for recipes, um, you know, things you can make mixers out of, uh, and all kinds of wonderful things out of Lorenzo wine. Um, anything you ladies want to add before oh. we wrap it up? I just have to say, like, in this day and age with drive-by baby showers and drive-by bridal showers, I mean, this would just be such a fantastic and cute little drive-by drop-off. The the four pack of the Lorenzo spritz or even a bottle of the rosé. Um, so fun. Oh, thank you so much. I think um, we, we're just really enjoying connecting directly with, uh, with our consumers these days. And so reach out, send us a DM on Instagram, send us an email. We'd love to do Zoom tastings to come on, do an Instagram live, you know, we're, we're really enjoying this, this time um, off of the road and diving deeper into these relationships uh, with the people who enjoy our wine. So we'd love to meet you and uh, please reach out. Fantastic. Mindy, anything you want to add? Thank you for having us. It's just been amazing. It's so great to hang out with some amazing women in the wine business and drink a little rosé. 
They, How good yeah. is that? <laughs> Thank you for the wines. They're beautiful. They're Thank really you so much. Delicious. Missy, anything? You're, you're, you're a little quiet there. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, you guys were saying everything this today. So, uh, you know, but it was a fantastic, fantastic wine. And it was great, um, great to try these. So a right. pleasure. And very, um, very courageous move as well, uh, you know, to come from the traditional Napa back during the time frame when you did before rosé was even, even a thing. So um, it was very, very, um, very nice surprise and type of rosé. Thank you, Misty. Thank you. And I just want to remind our listeners, since Michelle brought it up earlier, because you can get this direct, you do not have to have contact with anyone. This can be delivered straight to your doorstep from the website, lorenzawine.com. Uh, in the era of COVID, this is a great way to fulfill your wine needs uh, and order direct from the producer and even schedule a Zoom tasting. So be sure to indulge. Ladies, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much. This is such a pleasure. Thank you. Lisa, Misty, thank you so much.